Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and today I'm talking all about how babies and children actually learn to suppress their feelings with food in the first place. Now, this is one of the things that I think Aware Parenting really has such an incredible gift to offer because so often in our culture it's a really common thing isn't it it's a really common thing to eat food when we're upset and what I think where parenting does more clearly than anywhere else I've seen it is to really understand the genesis of that so where that starts how that starts how we might prevent that or lessen that or ameliorate that but also if we have done this with our babies or children which many of us will have done and I want to say including myself with my first child my daughter who's 22 next month that we can support them to relearn to reconnect with the different sensations in their body, the ones that communicate hunger and the ones that communicate painful feelings. Even if they've learnt, and generally through us, that we've helped them learn to suppress their feelings with food, that we can also help them learn to reconnect with their wise bodies and to really understand what their bodies are really telling them. So I'd really like to start with that right from the beginning. And as you know, I'm also going to be inviting you to drop any guilt sticks or any self-judgment sticks. It's really, really, really common that we do this in this culture. There's nothing wrong with you if you've done this. I'm going to invite to not judge yourself. I'm not judging you. I don't judge. I'm not willing to judge other people. I'm not willing to judge myself. And I really invite you to do the same, to be unwilling to judge yourself. This is so normal and so understandable that this is very very common that many of us do this and again I want to say that whatever age your child is it really is possible to unravel this so that they again learn to differentiate between the two and of course we know that because we can do this as adults so even if they're older children or teenagers or even if they're adults you know whatever age they are It's never too late to return to that innate wisdom because it is so powerful and so strong. So I really, really, really want to start off with that as a preface. So if you ever notice yourself at any point feeling guilty or judging yourself, I'm going to invite you to just put down those sticks. And in a literal way, that might be, ah, I notice I'm feeling guilty. I'm not willing to feel guilty. I'm not willing to tell myself that I should have done this or shouldn't have done that. I'm not willing to judge myself. I am willing to be deeply compassionate with myself. Like, of course, I learned to do this. And you might even say, you know, of course, I learned this. This has been in my family for generations. That might be the case for you. It's very, very common that eating to suppress feelings is passed down the generations so again you might want to look at that is that something that you observe in your family of origin do you see it in if you know your grandparents or you've heard stories of them or seen photos of them do you see that being passed down and I really want to remind you this is what we're meant to do we are meant to pass down cultural conditioning and it's designed to be hard to reverse that but it is possible it absolutely is possible 
So first of all, I'm just going to invite you to connect in. How are you feeling already? Just hearing this. And I'm going to invite you to do that throughout the podcast to connect in. You might want to, hmm, depends what you're doing, but you might want to just pause and put your hand on your heart, maybe one hand on your belly or one hand on your forehead. Just connect in and If you're familiar with my Marian method work, you might want to have your inner loving mother saying, I'm right here with you, sweetheart. I'm listening. Because these can be big things to really get this and understand this, to refrain from the guilt sticks. And also as an alternative, so what we can do if we're not hitting ourselves with guilt sticks is we might find instead that actually feel sad and we want to mourn. So mourning is a really important need so when we learn information that we didn't know before and we realize we've done things to our children that we wouldn't have done perhaps if we'd known back then what we know now, instead of guilt, we can choose to mourn, which generally means feeling the sadness and the grief. Of, oh, I, yeah, I really feel sad when I reflect back. And I can say that for myself if I reflect back, although I don't really so much now because I, I did do a lot of mourning in my early years but if I look back in those that early year with my daughter instead of those sticks I could choose to feel sad and mourn which I did do many years ago and now I would reflect back on that younger me and just have so much compassion for her and what I would really say to her is sweetheart I really invite you to get some more support to have some sessions with Aletha Salter herself because back in the day there weren't many aware parenting instructors around. I did have one session with her in the early days but I would have had way more in those early days. So I invite you to do what the equivalent, whatever the equivalent is for you. So you might be pregnant now, you might have a baby now, you might have a toddler, a child, an eight-year-old, 15-year-old, an adult child, wherever you are in your life stage I invite you to really look back. What do you need to do now if you didn't know this information back then? If you did unwittingly help your child, your baby, repress their feelings with food? And what might you need to do to to be with that? So I'm going to pause there. I invite you to connect in before we move into the next step of the podcast. So the next thing I'm going to invite you to do is to stay connected with yourself. So as you're listening to this, I'm going to be inviting you to notice in your body, does this information resonate with you? I think this is one of the most important things we can do as parents whenever we're taking in any information about parenting or reparenting is that initial filter when we hear something or read something does this resonate with me that's your first kind of gate i suppose isn't it to go hmm okay yeah that does resonate or hmm that doesn't resonate and also to discern in ourselves the difference between yes that resonates and no that doesn't and when we're having a reaction so we might feel this surge of uncomfortable feelings in our bodies and that might be it might be the guilt bubbling up because we're hitting ourselves with sticks because actually it does resonate and we're going straight into judging ourselves which by the way I don't do I don't feel guilt anymore it really is possible to get free from guilt or you might find yourself going into feeling angry or outraged in relation to this information or you might notice yourself 
dissociating and just kind of feeling a bit numb and like realizing that 10 minutes more has played and you didn't take in a word <laughs> so I really want to remind you it's really normal and natural to have all of these responses I'm sending so much love to you exactly what shows up for you and I invite you to notice how do you feel in your body what's your response Do, is this a big yes does this go oh yes this really makes sense to me and of course for many of you you already know this information so presumably it already does resonate the fact that you're still listening to this podcast and perhaps you're just wanting to dive in deeper so but I invite you to still keep tuning into yourself is this a yes is it a no when I Again, I invite you, if it really doesn't resonate, feel free if you want to stop. I really invite you to. I really love supporting people to listen to their nose. And if you notice yourself having all kinds of other feelings like the dissociating numbness or the outrage or the guilt or the sadness or whatever it is, I really invite you to be very gentle with yourself. Perhaps you again, you might want to pause. If you have a listening partner, you might want to share with them if you feeling guilt you might want to go through the process I already talked about so it's really an opportunity as you're listening to me to also listen to yourself at the same time so what I want to offer again is that this is so often passed down in families and in cultures suppressing a baby's feelings with food so I'm going to start off with babies I will talk a little bit about children in this episode as well so really the main reason this happens in general is because in a way parenting we recognize that babies have two types of feelings so they have what I like to call needs feelings so this isn't Aletha's term it's just one I like using for shorthand needs feelings which is a feeling that a baby feels when they have an unmet need in the present. So of course, hunger would be the main one that we're talking about here, but it might also be loneliness when they need connection, for example, or cold when they need warmth, or overwhelm when they need protection from overwhelm, all of these kinds of things. So that's needs feelings. And of course, with the needs feelings, the most apt response, because where parenting is a form of attachment style, parenting is to respond as promptly and accurately as we can to meet that need and if we have met that need accurately those feelings will go away because the reason for those needs feelings were to indicate a need so when the need is met the feelings will dissipate that's how we can tell it was a needs feeling so in general what we'll see then is if we read that accurately say for a baby that when we meet that need they will then afterwards they will be relaxed in their bodies they will make relaxed eye contact so two of the main ways that we can differentiate true relaxation from dissociation which is one of the core pieces that makes all the difference in aware parenting particularly with babies and young children is being able to tell the difference because so often in our culture we don't get taught the difference and i'm going to explain why that's important in a little while so that's a needs feeling. So we can think about it similarly for ourselves. You know, if we have a needs feeling, let's go with hunger again. We're feeling some uncomfortable sensations. We might start feeling a little kind of gnawing sensation or a bit of an ache. We might notice some grumbling happening in our stomachs. When we eat food and we eat the acrimate of food, those sensations go away. 
So, of course, babies will signal that because they cannot just go, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat some food, they need us. <laughs> so, and I'm talking about younger babies here, so they will communicate that by moving their bodies in particular ways and by then starting to make vocalizations and then moving to crying. So, so much of this process is about observing our babies. I talk about this all the time in my book, The Emotional Life of Babies, this is really the number one thing in a way, parenting with a baby. It's going to be so much about observing because really then we start understanding, ah, okay, when they do that and I did this, then this happened. So I can tell by observing them, by observing their muscle tension, their eye contact and all the other things that we can look for, agitation, their vocalizations, I can ascertain that was a needs feeling, I met the need, they're relaxed and calm rather than dissociated. So that was a need, that was a needs feeling, the need is met, the feelings have gone. The other type of feelings, which is not often understood in our culture, are what I call healing feelings. And those are feelings that all babies feel, however much we aim to meet their needs, even if we do the most exquisite attachment style parenting, all babies will feel uncomfortable feelings, these healing feelings. They go through birth, and again, even if the birth is the most calm, relaxed, orgasmic birth for us, it's still a big process for a baby. Coming into the world is a big thing, and again, even if we have muted lights and muted sounds and a baby moon and all the things, it's still normal and natural for babies to have feelings, including overwhelm, that they want to express to us. All babies will experience developmental frustration. We cannot take that away from them. That is part of the process of moving through a developmental stage. So then there are also feelings uh, in relation to loud noises or us feeling stressed. And of course, many babies do experience stress in utero, stress during birth, stressful experiences after birth and just you know, we lead very busy lives, most of us, even if we're aiming to be quiet. So just to basically say we cannot prevent healing feelings. And yes, there will be a massive difference from one baby to the next, both in terms of their physiology. So highly sensitive babies, for example, will be more affected by experiences and stimulation. They will more easily have more healing feelings and then there's the outer things. So as I say, you know, some babies might have a really calm birth. They might have skin to skin straight away. They might have a really quiet home and they're having, they're just, their parents just having lovely baby moon for a long time. You know, some babies might have that experience. And in every area, there's a kind of spectrum from that until, you know, highly stressed, big stress in utero and again I invite you to drop the sticks you know if we're very stressed whilst pregnant the birth if there's been hmm, that's the little wild welcome swallows coming in they'll probably be coming in and out they're coming to say hello hmm, interesting that they came into that point yeah so many babies of course do experience a lot of stress during their birth whether that's through speeding up the surges artificially or forceps of on twos oh my voice <clears throat> so it was so interesting just as I would go to talk about birth all the birds come in my voice starts going creaky so I just want to remind you it's really normal natural 
if you have feelings coming up at this point, if your birth was not how you wanted it to be, and also your own birth as a baby. It's really normal for us all to have a lot of feelings around this. And if you haven't already listened to the series on the effects of birth, I really invite you to do that. So, as I was saying, there's a spectrum. You know, some babies who will be perhaps not so highly sensitive and have very little stress in their lives may have few healing feelings, but they're still going to have some. And I would say, in my belief, all babies in this culture at this time will have some feelings, some healing feelings to express every day to us. On the other side of the spectrum, there might be a baby who is highly sensitive, so they're going to be more affected by everything. And they might have had like the whole gamut. They might have stress in utero. They might have had a traumatic birth experience. They might have been separated after birth. They might have had medical procedures. They might have come home to us being really stressed. We might have needed to move house that baby is going to have a lot of healing feelings to express. So it really, really does differ depending on each experience of each baby and child. So the thing is, because most of us in this culture don't get taught that there are these two different types of feelings, we will assume generally nowadays, I mean, it used to be not that long ago that babies don't even have needs or, or any feelings, they don't feel anything. So we've come a long way from that to really understand they have needs. But if we think all of their uncomfortable feelings indicate an unmet need, of course we're going to assume that whenever they're moving around and agitated and antsy or they start to cry, that that means they have an unmet need. And one of the core assumptions we're going to make, of course, is that they're hungry. And so what we might then do is every time they show any of these signs, we might feed them. And of course we do. Of course, of course, we want to make sure that our baby is well fed and that they're going to survive and they're going to thrive. Of course, of course, of course. It's so primal, isn't it, to, to want to help our baby be healthy. So my apologies about the bird noise been pausing each time and I see that they're flying around the house to get some flies there's some flies in here and they really want to get them so interesting hey they're wanting to eat anybody who's been following this podcast for a long time my mum's granny flat which is now she's living up here so it's going to be for all of us that will be ready really soon and from then I will have a space that doesn't have birds in it so I'll be able to record without the bird noise and without the dog noise. Some of you might be really happy about that. So anyway I'm going to continue. So basically that will mean that frequently throughout the day particularly when they're tired because babies are so wise and their bodies are so wise and when they're tired their bodies will try to release any stress or trauma through crying in our loving arms so that they can release the tension so they can release the fight flight response from their body and move into a state of more relaxation so that they can sleep relaxedly and restoratively and wake up when they've had enough sleep. So frequently throughout the day, they will try to express these healing feelings to us. They'll basically want to 
share and let's give an example of the baby you had all the the stress all the way through let's send love to that baby and and you know I'm joking a little bit but I'm sending love to you if you have experienced that with one or more of your children or if you experienced that as a baby so if we think about that little baby they might be at various points of the day trying to say mum dad whoever it is auntie granddad but generally it'll be a parent or parents I've got these feelings in my body I felt overwhelmed when I was in your room I felt stressed when you felt stressed and I really want to tell you about how it was for me being born that was really big I felt really powerless at that time where I was just stuck I felt so powerless and so scared and I could feel all the the fear in your body too and I could feel the fear in the voices that I could hear the muffled voices and gosh that really hurt that thing on my head that really hurt what was that I want to tell you all about that and gosh my my neck really hurts and and my head really hurts oh I've just got all this uncomfortableness will you listen mum dad and oh it was so bright those lights were so bright when I came out oh my gosh and all my skin hurt when I was touched and held in that way and what's all this and oh my gosh suddenly I need to breathe and oh all this stuff's happening in my tummy when I feel these funny sensations I didn't used to feel those when I was inside of you. What is all this? Gosh, it's a lot. It's a lot, mummy and daddy. And I want to tell you all about it. The birds are all here. They want to express it too. And then there might be all kinds of other things that they want to express. I felt really lonely when I was on my own, when they took me away from you. And... What did they do? Ouch, that hurts my foot. What are they doing? What are you doing? And who are you? And what's going on? And now what's happening? This is a different place. Oh, you say we're home. This is different to where we were. And oh, what's happening now? And oh, what are these sensations? And what's that noise? And what are all these shapes around me? And I don't know what's happening. And oh, it's dark now. And where are you? And... Please listen to my feelings. I've got so many feelings to tell you. Will you listen now? Will you listen now? So really when we look at things through a baby's eyes, we can really see like, of course they have healing feelings. It's a massive, massive thing to be a baby, to come into this world. They don't have concepts. They don't have a sense of time initially. So, you know, if we leave them alone and we don't come, that that can seem like forever to them. They don't understand all of these shapes and things they see around us. They don't go, oh, yes, that's a picture frame and that's the sink and that's the bed. They just see a whole, it's all an interconnected lot of things to them. So the more we can really understand things from a baby's perspective, and if you've read my book, The Emotional Life of Babies, you'll see what I love to do is to really invite us as parents to really see if we can see things from our baby's perspective and I do the same in my next book that's coming out for children too 
because the more we can understand that, the more we can see things from their perspective, the more it's just obvious, of course they have healing feelings to express. They've been through so much and they are so little and they are so wise. They are so wise that they literally know how to heal from all of these experiences. They come inbuilt with these inherent capacities to heal from all stress and trauma right from when they're born which is such a phenomenal thing isn't it to really really take that in mind not only are they deeply affected by all these things but they can also completely heal from them and that is where this differentiation between the needs feeling of hunger and the healing feelings of all of these feelings, the powerlessness, the frustration, the overwhelm, the confusion, the loss, the grief, the rage, the terror. And it's really normal for babies to have all of these feelings and they want to express them. So there's almost like you can see it on a few different levels. We could see it on a feeling level. They have those feelings that I just named and they want to express those. They want to be heard. They want to have that sense of us mirroring them and understanding what they've been through as babies. <laughs> and on more the nervous system perspective, you can see that they will have gone through the fight-flight response. And often with babies, it's actually freeze. In aware parenting, we tend to call the fight-flight response a state of hyperarousal and freeze dissociation. So that those are terms that are also used elsewhere, but we tend to use those in aware parenting. So babies will go through this, and when they go into fight, flight, or freeze, and as I say, for babies, it often is freeze because they often don't have much capacity to fight. They cannot do much. They're not very strong with their hands. They certainly cannot flee because they can't actually crawl, let alone run. They might try and kick away with their legs, which you might see a baby who's having a procedure. You might see them trying to do that. That's a really healthy response. They're trying to fight. But so often, because they have not much strength or capacity, often they will move into freeze. So they will dissociate. And that's actually often what's happening when we think a baby has a needs feeling and we do things because we think we're meeting the need and then afterwards they're quiet it's so common in our culture because we don't understand the difference between dissociation and relaxation then we look at the baby they're quiet they've stopped crying and we think ah, oh, they're calm and relaxed whereas actually sometimes and quite often they're actually dissociated and so what we've done is we've actually prevented them from moving through that fight, flight, freeze response and back into a homeostatic state, into true calm and relaxation. So they're ready and available and present, uh, ready for the next thing. They're often actually stuck in either the hyperarousal or the dissociation. Or they haven't got to express those feelings to us. And I've been working with adults therapeutically for 30 years now and what I have found consistently and when I was a psychotherapist I used to find this so often which is one of the reasons why I was so excited about aware parenting and supporting babies and children to have their feelings heard right from the beginning was so many adults coming and sharing in their 20s 30s 40s 50s and so on 
the powerful effects of not having their feelings heard when they were children. So let's look at this specifically in terms of feeding. So, of course, in the early period, it's going to be so normal and natural, especially if you're a first time mother, if you're a mother who's listening, if, if it is a first time mother and particularly if they also haven't practiced aware parenting with a baby before to feed frequently, to make sure the milk's in, to just make sure, of course, that the baby's thriving. Of course, that's normal and natural. If you are not or they are not a first time mother and they've already practiced aware parenting before, they might actually feel comfortable to be able to listen to healing feelings right from the beginning. So let's go back to what we're talking about, about not knowing there are these two types. So if we just think there are one type of feeling, there are needs feelings, and any time a baby's agitated or antsy or squirming or crying or moving towards crying, we think, oh gosh, they're hungry, I better feed them, and we feed them, and they then seem to be quiet, of course we can assume that Ah, they were hungry and I fed them and that's fantastic. But of course, because we haven't been taught to differentiate between when a baby's hungry and when they've got healing feelings, we haven't been taught to differentiate between needs feelings and healing feelings at all. We haven't been taught to differentiate between true relaxation and dissociation. So often what will have happened is that baby had some feelings to to share as we were talking about before and what we've done is responded to those feelings the powerlessness the frustration the grief the confusion with food so if we do that a lot what can then very often happen and it certainly is what what happened for me and my daughter is that because they're learning from us and our responses about what they feel so basically every time or most of the time that they have these healing feelings that they're trying to tell us and we feed them, what they're then going to interpret from that is, ah, when I feel these sensations in my body, when you think about the different feelings and where you might feel them in your body, so they might feel a tension in their jaw, there might be some frustration, and then we feed them, they might then make sense of because they're making sense of everything babies that happen to them so what's happening for them is that they are then interpreting that when they have that particular sensation in their jaw or whatever it is that that indicates hunger and so they will really soon associate those two things and then will actually then increasingly cue hunger cues when they actually have healing feelings to express which is why then so often as babies get older if they have learnt to suppress their feelings or dissociate through feeding that they will often ask for food more and more and more and more frequently so this might be when a baby in the evening just seems to want to feed and feed and feed and as soon as we stop feeding them they start to cry and we just assume that they're hungry and just keep feeding them and feeding them and feeding them and feeding them. Or we might see then a toddler or even just an older baby who's wanting to feed more and more and more frequently even though their stomachs got bigger and perhaps even also once they've started solids. So that can be one of the signs that they have now learnt to 
ask for food when they're upset. And even more than that, that they've learned to interpret that when they feel upset, that that is hunger. And I think that's a really important piece to get, that really that, that it's on that deep interpretational level. Because I think so often, otherwise it can be really confusing. And when we see a toddler, for example, just asking for, to be fed lots and lots and lots of times and being really upset if we maybe don't feed them to go, oh, what's going on here? And to really get that they, they have learned from us to interpret that sensation as hunger. So that's really big, isn't it? So basically what's happened is either we didn't know there were two types of feelings, we've assumed it was a needs feeling, so we fed them, they've then learned to interpret those upset feeling sensations as hunger, and so then they ask for breastfeeding, or it can be bottle feeding as well, and often then food when they're upset. So can you see how that pattern moves through? And this can happen really quickly because remember, all babies will have some feelings every day. If they're not getting to express those feelings, they're going to need to do something to suppress those feelings. And so often it is through feeding, although there are plenty of other ways too which you can read all about in my book, The Emotional Life of Babies, or on other episodes of this podcast, or in The Aware Baby by Aletha Sorter, which I highly recommend. And if we think of this process applied to how it gets passed down the family line, is if you also tend to eat when you're upset, so you might reach for the cake or the chocolate or whatever it is, and again, it's really common, so I invite you to drop any sticks, is... This may have also happened to you. So this can go down the generations. And so what we might find is because when we're upset, we might interpret that as hunger and go to the cupboard. It's so easy then because conditioning is designed to be passed down that when we see our baby upset, we also assume it's hunger. So, of course, not everyone will do that. Some people will tend to think, oh, yeah, I've already fed my baby. I don't think they're hungry I think they need to be moved. So I'm going to go and jiggle them and rock them or put them in a stroller and push them back and forth or put them in a hammock or put them in the car seat and take them for a drive. And again, you might then notice you also have a movement control pattern. So you might get really busy. So then we tend to interpret what's happening for our baby based on how we interpret our own feelings and also often how our own were interpreted. Or it may be that you you fed your baby recently, they start crying, you don't think they're hungry, you think that they need to suck on something. So you perhaps you give them a dummy or a pacifier. And again, you might look at yourself. Did you ever suck your thumb? Do you bite your nails? Do you tend to bite the skin around your mouth when you're upset? So again, it's really, really normal and natural that these things get passed down. The ways that feelings are interpreted get passed down family systems. I invite you to drop any sticks. It's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with any of us. We're designed to do this. And it really is possible, as I was saying at the beginning, whether your little one is a baby or a child or a teen or an adult, that we also can support them to again clearly differentiate between this is a need and this is a feeling that, that wants to be expressed really is possible 
So this also makes sense of some of the other things that parents will experience. And we talked about it a little bit in the last episode with Carly, where we talked about parents often thinking their baby's hungry and then being confused why they're just coming on and off the breast or the bottle again, that they just don't seem interested, but they're upset and they're crying and just being really sure they're definitely hungry. That can be what's going on, of course. So always please check out physiological things. If you're ever concerned, please trust yourself. Babies who start waking up more and more frequently, people can sometimes think that that's because they're hungry. That's why so often babies will end up waking up more and more and more frequently and being fed more and more frequently because actually they're waking up to try and express their feelings because they're incredibly wise and their innate healing and relaxation response is trying to work and again as I so often say you've probably heard me say it before if you've listened to this podcast is it's so often not them fighting sleep it's us fighting their natural relaxation response So, so much of this is about us really understanding that babies are innately wise. And so much of the parenting work is actually our own reparenting. It's actually getting free from our cultural conditioning, what we have been taught to believe about babies, about children, about food, about hunger, about feelings, about stress and trauma, all of these things. And also of course, to do our own healing from our own experiences. So not only are we going to have the thoughts, the conditioning, we're also going to have the feelings. So whatever happened to us, again, you know, if we were often fed when we were actually needed to express our feelings about our birth or our day, we will often need to go back and have those feelings heard and to share how that was for us. So that's an essential part of the process. The birdies are back. (laughs) So I really want to say this can be one of the hardest things to do to differentiate between the needs feeling of hunger and healing feelings. And it's why I often say to parents of babies, I really invite you, just as I did to that younger me, well, I would suggest two things. Number one is to read The Aware Baby and read it and reread it and reread it, particularly the chapter on feeding. Aletha really clearly describes how to differentiate when a baby is hungry and when they've got feelings. And also my book, The Emotional Life of Babies, and also again to read and reread and reread. Because we're really aiming to replace all these years of our own conditioning, all the ways we've learned about babies with this very, very different way of understanding babies and feelings. It's really important to keep on hearing that information repeatedly because we're really replacing those old beliefs with these new ones to really understand it. And so often I see parents, and I totally understand it, that's what I did too. I thought, oh yeah, I can do this, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then even though we were listening to Lana's feelings every day from when she was three months old, that I still many, many, many times fed her when she needed to cry. And so by the time she was 18 months, it was very, very, very obvious that I'd given her a very big control pattern of breastfeeding. And why does that matter, you might say? Well, one of the main things that matters was she was almost unable to cry with me. She was almost unable to express her feelings with me. She could express them really freely with her dad. And that became 
really challenging, but also really painful for me. It was one of the core things I wanted for my daughter to be able to express her feelings to me. It was such a core thing for me that I really wanted that, which is why when my son was born, I was absolutely 100% sure I was not going to do this with him and I was not going to give him a breastfeeding control pattern. So I was so diligent to differentiate between the two and he absolutely did not have any hint of a breastfeeding control pattern so and was really really free to express his feelings with me and I still see that difference in them now like she is much more willing to share things with her dad than me whereas my son even at 17 is comfortable to share feelings so that's why this is important we're not only teaching them really how to respond to their feelings when they're children when they're teens when they're adults which as I say we can change that which I did with my daughter I did help her get free from the feeding control pattern but it still had that flavor left of her being less free to express her feelings with me so we really can get free from that but you know, it affects our relationship with them. It affects the extent to which they know that they can come and share with us. And I think for most of us nowadays, we want our children to be comfortable and to be able to come to us at any age and to say, I'm feeling upset, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling frustrated. Will you listen to me? Will you help me with this? And it really starts this early on, which I think is why it's so important to have this information. So how can we tell if a baby has a breastfeeding control pattern or bottle feeding? So in other words, how can we tell that when they have got feelings to share with us, they are interpreting that as hunger and are asking to be fed and we're feeding them? So some of the cues are signs, symptoms that they start feeding more and more frequently as they get older so as their stomachs get bigger and they can take more at each feed and of course this is different if they're only just having little and often but if we're giving them full feeds and they're just still wanting more and more and more that can be one of the signs it can be if they're also waking up more and more often during the night to feed again even though they're feeding as much as they want to and their stomachs are getting bigger it can be if they're often vomiting after feeding Although, again, please always check out with your trusted healthcare person if there's something else going on. But that can often be the thing, too, if they're actually we're feeding them and they're full up. And one of the main cues is that when they're actually feeding, they're agitated, they're antsy, they're coming on and off. They are sucking really intermittently or they get on the breast and they suck just a very few times and they fall asleep. So these are all signs that they're actually not hungry. And this is one of the main things we can do is really to start to be differentiating, particularly whilst they're feeding, whether this is hunger or not. And one of the kind of extra signs we'll see is symptoms of accumulating feelings. So as feelings start to accumulate in the bodies, if we're feeding them, Often when they actually need to cry, even if we are listening to some feelings, even if you're familiar with aware parenting, you have been listening to some feelings, which is what my daughter's dad and I did with her from three months old. We did listen to feelings every day, generally every evening, usually from about half an hour to an hour, but sometimes longer than that, absolutely. But we were only listening to probably 50% of her feelings. 
So all those other feelings she was suppressing with my help through feeding. So I started to see some of those symptoms. She was still very relaxed. So some of the symptoms with her is that she had a lot of flesh on her cheeks were very big. It was clear from looking at her that I was feeding her when actually she wasn't hungry. And there are other signs that are really common. So some babies won't show in that way, but they might just start to avoid eye contact because when they make eye contact, they see our love and they want to feel and express the feelings. As I say, they might get more and more agitated on the breast, coming on and off, squirming around, biting, clawing us, just not being relaxed while they're feeding. So again, if you think about what I was saying at the beginning, we can tell if we've met a need because the baby will be more relaxed in their body and they will make more eye contact. So basically, if when they're feeding, they're clearly not relaxed at all, and particularly if they've already had quite a bit of the feed. So they're not going to be really hungry anymore and they're still really tense and agitated, that really suggests the possibility that they're not actually hungry. And just in general, they're going to get more and more agitated. They're going to take longer and longer to go to sleep because they've got more tension in their body that they're suppressing. They're going to wake up more often, as I mentioned. Their vocalizations are going to get more and more agitated. So all of these are signs of these accumulating feelings. Or you could think of it in terms of more and more stress in their bodies from fight, flight, freeze response that they haven't actually moved through into homeostasis, which they do through crying in our arms. So I'd also love to talk a little bit about toddlers or children. We can absolutely also use food to suppress feelings here. So once they're eating solid food, such a funny word. So we might, again, if they've already learned to do this as babies, they might then continue and translate that into food. So they might suddenly just be desperately, desperately wanting food and more food and particularly perhaps when they're tired or when they're clearly upset. So that's one of the signs when they're clearly upset, they're desperately asking for, for food. That's a clear sign. And that can be perhaps... Again, we're in just interpreting that they're hungry. Oh, you must be hungry. It's very common, isn't it? If a, if a toddler or a small child is agitated or crying that we, in our culture, that we say, oh, they're, they're just tired or, oh, they're hungry or they're hungry. They might be, but they might just be upset. They might just have some feelings to tell us. So that can be, you know, if they come home for a daycare or school and perhaps we feed them straight away. And again, they might be hungry but they actually might have some feelings to express. So again, if we're frequently giving them food when they've got feelings, again, that's going to really accentuate that, that interpretation. Ah, this feeling in my body means hunger. So when I feel this feeling in my body, I'm going to ask for food. This might also be perhaps if we feed them as soon as they wake up or as soon as they wake up, they ask for food. And again, this could be hunger. But it might be feelings, particularly if we haven't listened to their feelings before they go to sleep, which is when feelings really come up. Those feelings will often bubble up straight away. So if a child always wakes up or a toddler and they're always agitated, antsy, and we think, oh, it's just because they're hungry. Would you like to go back to observing? Remember, it's all about observation. This is all just the information part. You are the only one who can discern these things. 
you are the only one who can discern whether your baby or your toddler or your child is hungry or whether they've got feelings. And that's through, again, listening to the information. Does this resonate with you? If it does, observing your baby or child and then listening into yourself and just keeping on with that beautiful triangle of, of research. You're the only one who can tell what's going on through doing these things. So again, how can we tell if perhaps a toddler or a child eats to suppress their feelings or we could say has eating as a control pattern? That could be if they ask really urgently for food. Often they're like really, really urgent. The paradox is a, a little bit of hunger is often not expressed urgently. Often to trying to suppress feelings, it's often more urgent. Of course not if they haven't eaten for ages and they clearly are hungry. Of course it's normal to ask urgently. If they just want to eat a lot, if they always ask to eat when they're tired, because of course, remember, when they're tired, that's when their feelings come up, they bubble up, because that's their innate wisdom to feel, express and release those feelings so they feel relaxed so that they can sleep restfully and restoratively. Another thing is when they're clearly upset, so you can really tell that they're definitely upset, perhaps they've fallen over or perhaps they're in an unfamiliar environment or perhaps someone's trying to take something from them and then straight away they either ask for boob or a bottle or they put their hand down your top if they breastfed or they want a snack straight away. That will clearly tell you, ah, they have learnt to interpret those sensations of upset as hunger. So again, this is why I really want to remind you, whenever you notice this, this is not to pick up the guilt sticks. If you do you're going to be less likely to be able to support them to move out of this. And I will be talking more about how you can do that in the next episode. If your child already has a control pattern, there are lots of ways that you can support them to get free from that so that they stop eating emotionally. As I said, I did that with my daughter. By the time she was three, she had regained that deep wisdom to know when she was hungry and when she was upset so it's absolutely possible I want to remind you that a million times <laughs> and I also want to say she's 22 next month and she has a really 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 healthy relationship with food it's amazing so just again want to offer you that reassurance whatever you've done with your baby your toddler your child in relation to food it really is possible to support them to return to yeah, not, it's often called emotional eating, isn't it? To not eat emotionally. So let's talk about preventing it though. So preventing it is differentiating between hunger and healing feelings. So again, I'm not sure if I finished, I went down that track, didn't I, about getting support and I'm not sure if I finished it because I think I went into talking about myself and how I didn't get enough support. And yeah, so anyway, I'm going to, say again even if I did say it, that really having the support or guidance of someone else who really understands how to differentiate between the two if you're really wanting to prevent this or really lessen this either getting a listening partner who's done this themselves and really knows how to do this and getting their support or working with an aware parenting instructor who can really support you with this because so often, as I said, 
parents like me I, yeah I think I started this story and I got distracted you probably know exactly where I went off to but you know I was like yeah I, I'll be able to do this I've got the aware baby I can work this out and just there is so much there's so much conditioning there certainly was for me there's so many of our own feelings there certainly was for me and it just gets way harder the older they get and the more it's become a control pattern it's much easier to do this preventatively and to be getting this information and this support to put this into practice right from as soon as you possibly can it just makes the whole journey so much easier so I really 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 recommend that I cannot recommend it too much either reach out get a listening partner or multiple listening partners who are familiar with this themselves or reach out for an aware parenting instructor or even to an aware parenting instructor for support and guidance with this and really working with differentiating between when are they hungry and when have they got healing feelings so again I would recommend going back to reading the aware baby and rereading it and rereading it particularly that chapter on food and again getting a hold of my book the emotional life of babies rereading it rereading it particularly the the sections and chapters around food and control patterns and observation observation is really the key here it's really observing our baby having a journal having a diary that's probably going to be on the phone nowadays I used to have the back in the olden days in a little paper diary <laughs> it's going to be all about noticing patterns oh the birdies like this bit and really getting support so that you can listen to those healing feelings it's a massive thing to listen to a baby crying in our arms and to be confident they're not hungry, and to know how to discern that they're not hungry. It's a massive, massive, massive big thing. Of course, we need lots of emotional support. Of course, we need support to know they're not hungry. Of course, we need support to be able to know what to look for, to be sure that they're not hungry. And of course, we're going to need support to listen to and have our own feelings heard around whatever that helps us connect with, because we can be pretty sure that we didn't experience this so whether we were left alone to cry or fed every time we cried or jiggled every time we cried or left alone with a dummy or whatever it was those feelings are likely to bubble up when we are listening to our baby crying in our arms when all their needs are met and they are not hungry and they're trying to tell us about their day or their week or their birth it's essential for us to get that extra support so as we're able to differentiate this more and more and more, they're either going to ha not have any feeding control pattern. They're not ever going to try and suppress their feelings with milk or food like my son. Or they might just have less. They might do that less of the time, which is an amazing thing. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> In the next episode, I am going to talk about what we can do to help a child who already does have a food control pattern. If it's a baby, it's really more going to be doing these things. So really already starting to see, oh, OK, this is I'm clearly feeding them when they're hungry. Again, getting support to start to differentiate between the two yourself and then starting to respond aptly. What I find really helpful to remember is without any guilt sticks, it's us who did this to them. It's us that taught them to eat emotionally. It's, it's us that taught them to interpret this sensation as hunger. 
And so it can also be us that helps them interpret accurately, read those internal cues accurately, and then come back to them knowing, aha, when I'm hungry, I have food. When I'm upset, I can cry and rage and be lovingly supported and express those feelings and come out the other side feeling relaxed and calm and present and aware. And so actually what I'd love to return to what I said at the beginning is if we meet the need accurately, we will be able to tell that because they are calm and relaxed. And if we accurately read that they had healing feelings to express and they cry in our arms and they go through that whole healing cycle, they will come out the other side and they will also be relaxed in their bodies and make relaxed eye contact if they're awake, if they haven't fallen asleep. So we can tell, that's what I love about this, it's entirely about observational research. We can get that confirmation, that clarification that we are reading the cues accurately, or if we're not, they will tell us that. And the more we understand the theory, the more we get free from our own conditioned thoughts, which means I recommend if you are doing this to not also be reading. You know, once you've come to understand and believe, ah, this resonates with me, aware parenting resonates with me, I invite you to not then, whilst you're doing this, if you're helping your baby get free from a breastfeeding control pattern, I would recommend do not read other books that are telling you something different. Unless you're not sure, if you're still not sure, of course. But once you're clear, this is what resonates with me, this is what I'm doing, just stick with your way of parenting. Take in as much information because you are changing your conditioning. And then, of course, have as many of our own feelings heard. We need to have a lot of our own feelings heard. Most of us have got so much crying sitting in our bodies. You might need to cry after this episode, not only because of what it's helped you connect with, but also because of all the bird sound in the background. <laughs> I'm imagining it's partly because it's a super hot day. Partly it's probably still my theme around not being able to be heard showing up again. Hello, little baby Marion. I'm here. I'm listening. So I'm sending love if you've got any feelings. I'm sorry. I'd really love it to be really easy for you to hear this. And thank you for being willing to continue listening and I'm sending you lots of love to any and all feelings that you might have. I invite you to reach out to your empathy buddy listening partner, where parenting instructor, if you're feeling painful feelings right now or however you tend to those. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about what you can do to help a child who eats to suppress their feelings or dissociate from them. So thank you so much for listening and I'm sending you so much love and you might want to notice if you're reaching for the chocolate now. Okay, big hugs.